Hello? I say, is anyone in here? Welcome to the house of IDP. IDP? Crikey! What the blazes is that? In the house of IDP, we follow all players on both sides of the ball. On the Read and React podcast, we tackle everything you need to know to build a championship defense for your fantasy team. That sounds terrifying. Don't you need to spend hundreds of hours learning all about defensive players? IDP is an ancient evil, but also the future. Listen to the Read and React, and we will arm you with all the arcane knowledge you need to defeat your enemies. Wowzers! You mean you distill a huge amount of information about the hundreds of players in the NFL so that your listeners can dominate their leagues? What will that cost me? The podcast is free, but once IDP sinks its flaming hooks into you, it will steal your soul! Listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me, Ryan McDowell and the Matt Price. Matt, how you doing, bud? Doing pretty, pretty good, I guess. Excited for football, man. We are inside of, inside of double digits from real football happening. We didn't have to mess with that preseason nonsense. This year, and I'm more and more confident, Matt, that we're going to get real football and it might last. Uh, if we look at what baseball and basketball have done, it seems like it could happen. I'm excited for fantasy football. Yeah, like it seems like the NFL is doing real well. Like only, I think they said there was like 10 positive tests this week or something, but that's out of like 86,000 tests or something ridiculous that they've done since the beginning of of being back in camp. So uh, seems seems positive so far. Yeah, let's fire up the fantasy football schedule. Ryan, you you were a little bit leery earlier a uh, month ago, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. You you got to feel like we're we're going to have football and we're going to we're going to get some fantasy stuff happening, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely glad to be wrong on that one. I was not feeling confident at all, but it's it's looking good now uh that it, at least we'll get it started and like you said, uh, I mean, baseball has had their struggles and, and just powered through. So we'll see how the NFL uh, deals with that. If if teams have to start missing games, of course that it's it's tougher to make those up in football than it is in baseball. But um, but yeah, I'm just I'm just glad. Like you said, we're we're days away now from NFL football, and not only j- just the NFL, but a, a huge game to kick things off. Yeah, a huge game, lots of fun. I hope it's not ugly. You know, it's always ugly in week one and two, no matter what, because we don't see these star players in the preseason. Man, it could be rough in weeks one and two, but we're not going to complain about that because we're getting NFL football and it's only days away. Uh, If you listened last week, you know we started a two-week series of talking about what's on our mind with every single NFL franchise. We covered all the AFC teams last week. Uh, we're going to cover all the NFC teams this week. We're, we're just talking about players that are on our mind. What tr- guys we're trying to acquire guys. We might be moving on from like the Jaguars did from Fournette earlier this week. Uh, players on a new team, a player with a, with a role that we're uncertain of whatever's on our mind with these teams. Before we get to that all, all guys, we should, we should talk about Fournette a little bit from a dynasty perspective Ryan the news was shocking to some and maybe maybe not so much to others they were trying to move on from Leonard Fournette and finally decided if we want to do this we just got to cut bait what are your general thoughts on Fournette leaving Jacksonville uh as as we record this of course uh he was released yesterday so we don't know exactly all all the chips haven't fallen where they may just yet but let's let's react from a dynasty perspective Sure. Well, I'm I'm still assuming that uh, he he will get a job. He cleared waivers, uh, though that was no surprise. I don't think anybody expected a team to to take on that contract as it was. Um, so I, I still think he gets a job. I think there are there's plenty of teams out there right now, uh, either due just to their uh, current depth chart or to 
some injuries that that could use a guy like Fournette. So I don't I don't think it's a case where dynasty players should be selling low or you know dropping him or any anything like that. Just kind of wait it out, see what happens, and if the if the uh, Fournette owner in your league is is panicked, then I I would certainly entertain buying low uh, a third round pick or lower. I would, I would be good with that uh, with kicking the tires and, and trying to see where he lands. Matt, how about you? Not, not necessarily with Fournette, but what about what's left over in Jacksonville? Uh, is there some, some kind of untapped potential in that Jaguars backfield that you're investing in? You know, I'll take shots here and there. I think, uh, I don't think I have any Ryquel Armstead, but I definitely have some Devin Ozigbo, so I'd be excited to see him do something. It seems like they want to make Chris Thompson the the primary guy, but I don't know if he really can be, or if he can be, if it's going to be more than a few weeks based on his pre, his past injury history, you know. But it, it does absolutely see seem like he's going to take the pass catching role. So does that mean we don't care about those other two running backs? Is this this is going to get a, a lot more run out of the back? field you know it it's, seems like it's up in the air right now uh someone said today that in a, in a startup that uh i think it was a startup best ball that uh Reichel armstead went in the early eighth round which seems pretty pretty rich for me <laughs> i don't know about you guys um but yeah i'm not investing that highly I, I would i would rather take the cheapest shot if i was going to get involved at all which is probably going to be uh chris thompson or or devin Ozigbo at this point yeah, Ozigbo uh, from Nebraska, uh, more of a powerhouse guy that between the tackles type runner uh, didn't come into the league with a lot of lot of flash and and wasn't really highly regarded, but can get it done between the tackles so he could have a role. You mentioned Armstead as well. I, I think you're right on Chris Thompson. If if he's a third down guy, just mixing in, he could be a fantasy darling and, and a guy that can score you some points, particularly in those PPR leagues. But if you ask him to do more than that, he's going to break down. I, I would be surprised if he, he lasts those few weeks that you, that you mentioned as the max there, Matt, uh, before we get to the main topic of the day, let's talk about our friends over at monkeyknifefight.com. They are the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site on the planet. And Mikey knife fight is giving you free money and free dynasty football content with your initial deposit. Open a new de- new account over at Monkey Knife Fight, and with a minimum of ten dollars in your deposit, uh, you're you're going to receive a free DLF annual premium membership. This offer is also good to extend your current DLF annual membership by an entire year. Uh, Monkey Knife Fight will also match your initial deposit amount, doubling your bankroll. So if you put that $10 deposit in, it's going to become $20. If you put $50, it's going to become $100. They max that out at $50. They feature football, basketball, baseball, hockey, golf, UFC, esports, prop bets, and so much more. You'll find plenty of entertaining contest options over at Monkey Knife Fight. Even in these uncertain times, Monkey Knife Fight provides DFS games with no salary caps. So if you correctly predict the outcome, you're guaranteed to win. And there are no sharks, no professionals, no no gurus out there that are going to prevent you from claiming your prize over at Monkey Knife Fight. You'll, you're not going to get algorithm. You're not going to get hit by that top 1% who dominate other fantasy sites. Check out the new and improved DFS option and prop bet experience and claim your deposit match and free DLF premium membership over at monkeyknifefight.com. Check it out today. So we're going to talk about the NFC, fellas. Let's talk about the the number one thing that's on our minds when you think about a specific team. Matt, you drew the number one pick here, and it became the Dallas Cowboys. So when it comes to the Cowboys, Matt, What's on your mind as the season approaches? I'm not sure I made that 1.01 pick, but uh, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll see if I can do it justice. The number one concern with me with Dallas this year is, uh, is, is Tony Pollard going to eat into Zeke's touches and snaps? Um, 
you know, Zeke really does feel, especially in redraft league, I guess, more to the point. But even in dynasty leagues, he feels like one of the safest, uh, the, the safest picks that you can make in the first round. Seems like a, a guaranteed workload. Uh, he's in just just in year two of that big six year, ninety million dollar contract that he signed last season. There is a potential out in twenty twenty three, so he's going to be on the roster until then. Uh, and even then, there'll be a, about a six point seven million dollar dead cap hit against them. But uh, and I didn't really know. I didn't pay attention to Dallas probably nearly as much as I should have last year. Uh, but Pollard, I went back into look in some of his snaps. I watched every single one of his snaps from last season, and he looks pretty dynamite out there. So uh, my concern is uh, Zeke's, Zeke's snap percentage in 2019 was 83.3%. In 2018, it was 826 uh, In 2017, it was suspended. Uh, 2016, uh, it was a rookie, so a little bit lower than that. But he's been an 80-plus percent snap guy. Uh, last season, Pollard took 18.1% of the snaps from him. And if let's say that double, let's say Pollard gets up to 30 to 40%. How much does that hurt Zeke? How much does that hurt his upside? Are we going to be worried about his his uh, you know his, his receptions, his PPR upside as well with those three receivers out there adding CeeDee Lamb this offseason? So he still feels safe, but maybe the ceiling just isn't quite as high. Yeah, Pollard is a guy. It feels like Me I've too. just been chasing him in – basically every draft I've done this off season and have, have been able to uh, draft him in a bunch of them. Uh, I was reading a, uh, a bold prediction article uh, on the Dallas Cowboys website last week. And one of their beat writers actually projected uh, one of his bold predictions was that Pollard would have over a thousand wow. total yards. So I think last year was just over 500 combined rushing and receiving yards for him. Uh, it feels like everybody, like you, Matt, expects Pollard's role to increase this year. Um, but, I mean, those guys that are are very close to the team are really on board, it seems like. So that, you know, that got me even more excited. I, I don't even think necessarily it, it comes at the expense of, of Zeke. I mean, I think Zeke is still going to get his. I don't think of it as... Uh, Pollard is going to take away from Zeke. Um, I mean, maybe that's maybe that's the reality, but um, it's not like I'm scared of of rostering Elliot. Right. I just, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily like the too many mouths to feed argument, but I mean, they have three wide receivers to feed, and now we're going to add Pollard on top of Zeke. It just seems like something has to give somewhere. And if Zeke drops to let's say sixty-five to seventy percent touches and isn't nearly as efficient as he has been then uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe is, is he a dark horse for not being a first-round pick in 2021 in, in startup leagues? Yeah, maybe, maybe. But, I mean, I think of this team really the same way I think of the Chiefs. And yeah. I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to figure out who the top target is and who's going to be the third versus the fourth target. We talked about Mecole Hardman last week, and Hardman's kind of been the wide receiver version of Pollard yeah. for me this offseason, just trying to get as many shares as I can. When it comes down to it, these are two of the best offenses in the league, and I want as many players from those teams as I can, and then I'll figure it out as I go along. Yeah, especially when you talk about these guys, are they have the youth, they have the speed, the electrifying playmaking ability that you talk about when you, when you talk about Pollard as well as Hardman. Let's talk about the New York Giants, Ryan. You drew... Uh, Big G out there in New York. Let's let's talk about them and, and what's on your mind when it comes to the Giants because you could go a few different ways with New York. Yeah, when you start looking at this this team, you you know the Giants have kind of been um, I, I don't know, kind of been a punchline for a couple of years now. But um, you, you look top to bottom at the offensive depth chart, and and it's a pretty exciting team to uh, to watch, or it's going to be an exciting team to watch, I think. Uh, the player I'm really focused on here is Evan Ingram. Uh, he's certainly been one of the most productive tight ends over the past three years since he's been in the league. In 2017, as a rookie, eight tight end one games out of 15 games played uh, and, and really has kept up that efficiency over the past two years. The issue with him, of course, as we know, has been injury. So uh, I just want to know if he can stay healthy and put that full season together. Uh, does he... Does he move into that top tight end tier with with Kittle, Mark Andrews, and, and Travis Kelsey? Um, look at 2018. He only played 11 games, seven tight end one games out of those. 
uh, but he dealt with a concussion, a hamstring injury, a knee injury that cost him multiple games. And then last year he had the Liz Frank injury, played half the season, gave us five tight end one games out of eight weeks. So we've already seen him being valued as a top tier tight end. He's He peaked at tight end three in our ADP uh, over the past couple of years. I think if he stays healthy, he gets back to that point. It really feels that way to me. I've owned Ingram in a lot of places, Matt. I know you have as well. And when he, when you can put hit submit with Evan Ingram, he's putting up big numbers. He's having those kinds of games that can carry your dynasty team, particularly in those tight end premium leagues. So I, I think the the big thing that you said there, Ryan, is the word if that that's a big if. Yeah. He hasn't been able to stay healthy to this point. If he can, he could be that dynamic playmaking threat down the field for the Giants and for his dynasty owners. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a fan. It's what he's what he did without Odell Beckham that that season has always stuck with me and doesn't really feel like there's an alpha receiver there now. Some people want to put uh, Darius Darius Slayton already in that role, and I'm not sure I see it. It just seems like they have three really good wide receiver twos to me. Uh, So I think Evan could actually be the top target there. Again, like you guys said, it's just a matter of health with that guy. And I'm not – I can't say I'm super confident (laughs) that he's going to be able to play 16 games, but if he does, I think he could easily enter that upper echelon of tight ends. Matt's on a first name basis with Yeah, him. I guess so. That's right. He, yeah, he and me, me and Evan, we hang out. We hang out. <laughs> I had the Philadelphia Eagles guys, and you know, the thing that pops to mind immediately with the Eagles for me is my guy Miles. Yeah, Miles Sanders, I'm talking about, <laughs> of course. Uh big time playmaker, proved himself late last season, had a nice rookie year, but showed those sparks, showed the things that we all wanted to see. He can be a contributor in the running game and in the passing game. But now all these injuries are kind of piling up for the Eagles again. And they're, 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 they tend to be those, those guys that need to block for Miles Sanders. We've seen uh, starting left tackle Andre Dillard already hit injured reserve with a Troy, torn uh, uh, tricep. Uh, starting right guard Brandon Brooks, injured reserve. Torn Achilles. Of course, they brought back Jason Peters. He's expected to fill in for Dillard on the outside. But they got some unproven guys in the interior. Um, that really affects the prognosis or, or the potential, really, for Miles Sanders in this op- in this offense. We all kind of expected this breakout. And, and us in the Dynasty community, it's it, we don't even really talk about it because it, it's something we've been talking about for years. But it, it hit redraft. Throughout the offseason, lots of those guys are talking about how Miles Sanders is going to catapult himself into that top echelon of running backs, become that number one guy, uh, top five guy at the position. And now these injuries have sunk in, and, and it even spread out to, to of course, Alshon Jeffries on the pup, and Wentz is day-to-day with the injuries that we're all monitoring. This stuff in Philadelphia, I'm concerned, fellas, He's the running back 11, 14th overall, uh, talking about Miles Sanders, Ryan. I know you're a fan as well. How concerned are you? Uh, well, I'm, I'm not concerned too much yet uh, as far as how the offensive line injuries will impact him. Obviously, it will, but um, you kind of alluded to it. They dealt with pretty much the same thing last year. You know, I don't, I don't know what it is about this team and the Chargers, uh, but they just seem – snake bitten when it comes to injuries every year uh Jalen Rager another one I'm not sure if you mentioned him Dan sure. uh so it's it, you know it, it's definitely going around I hope I hope Sanders uh is, is somehow unaffected at least uh at least you know if not by the offensive line hopefully he can avoid injury but um yeah overall I'm I still I'm still expecting that uh, kind of that next step for him, uh, and, and I think he'll be a huge part of that offense. You know, my question was, will injuries on the offensive line and really throughout the team derail the Miles Sanders breakout? I think at worst it's just delay. Maybe it'll delay it a few weeks, no. maybe maybe the season at the most, but Miles Sanders is a, is a breakout candidate for a reason. He's a big playmaker, and he's going to get the football and make big plays for the Eagles and his dynasty owners. Matt, how about the, the Washington football team? Who you got here? Yeah, I want to know 
who's the wide receiver to do we care and does does it even matter at least for our purposes in fantasy you know we have we have Steven Steven Sims seems to be the the kind of the darling right now uh, and he was certainly impressive in a limited with limited opportunities in 2019 uh, we have Antonio Gandy Golden who I think we all really like but he hasn't really shown up too much in camp so far at least from what we we have seen and then Dontrell Inman he's apparently going to start opposite of Terry McLaurin so I just don't know if if it matters I think I still want to stash Gandy Golden I still want to stash Sims but in terms of expecting anything out of that wide receiver two position in Washington maybe uh, it's none of these guys maybe it's maybe it's that the converted quarterback Logan Thomas he's he's all the rage now too and and actually looks pretty fluid out there from what we've seen so far him at the tight end position so uh, maybe it's one of maybe it's maybe it's uh, Antonio Gibson um, if they don't f- somehow sign uh, Leonard Fournette and ruin everything. What what going back to the Eagles real quick? What if Leonard Fournette goes to the Eagles? That seems like it would be the worst thing possible for for everybody in Dynasty and for Miles Sanders himself. Um, but yeah, for for the for the football team, Washington football team, I, I just I just wonder who the wide receiver two is going to be, who's going to emerge, and if it matters for fantasy at all. My my my, my inclination is no, and we we should target maybe the running backs and. Dead, but they don't look super attractive right now outside of outside of Gibson. Um, so that's that's my question. You guys have any thoughts on on this receiving crew outside of McLaurin? Yeah, I'm actually pretty excited about Steven Sims. Uh, ended the season on a big time uh, hot streak. He had uh, over 40 fantasy points in the last two games of the season, uh, week 16 and 17. And you know, I know sometimes we throw away week 17, but he he still went out there and, and put up those numbers and, and that was as an undrafted rookie. I, I was chasing Kelvin Harmon early in the off season as well for some of these yeah. same reasons. And with the injury with his season ending injury, I just feel like that opens the door for Steven Sims. I, I still like Gandy golden long-term as well, but you mentioned uh, camp reports have not been good. And uh, you know, honestly we expect most of these rookies, especially uh, day three type rookies to get off to slow starts. So uh, the the great part about Sims is his his value has not really gone up at all. I mean, he's still very cheap. He's still hanging, uh, even hanging around waiver wires of some of the um, uh, some leagues who maybe didn't have off se- off season waivers yet. Yeah, Sims has a little bit of that punt returner flair that that uh dramatic for the for the big play uh he can make the big play on just one touch i've been investing in sims as well hopefully that works out for all of us how about we switch over to the nfc north ryan you drew the chicago bears what do you got here yeah i'm uh wondering and hoping that Tariq cohen can rebound from last season and uh when you when you look at his 2019 box score versus 2018, it's it's really a surprise. I think anybody, whether you had him on your roster or not, you just kind of know that 2019 was a letdown for Cohen. And and also, obviously, his, uh, his game, his damage is done in the receiving game. He saw more targets. He saw he had more catches uh, last year than he did in 2018. Uh, I was surprised to to see that and to kind of dig into that 2018 71 catches for 725 yards. And that helped make him the RB 11 last year, 79 catches. Uh, but his yardage dropped, uh, by a ton goes from 725 to 456, uh, total touchdowns rushing and receiving drop from eight to three. Uh, so just, he just wasn't, uh, wasn't efficient at all. And, and that's, that's the case with, uh, most of the Bears' offense. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm, I don't want to assume that Cohen can uh, can bounce back and that uh, what we saw in 2018 was, was the real Cohen because uh, with that Bears' offense, I think outside of Allen Robinson, it's, it's dangerous to count on any of these guys. But uh, I, I do kind of like Cohen as a, a player to buy low and uh, – you know, hope he can return to 2018 form. 
the nice thing about Cohen is that you don't have to spend a lot to get Tariq Cohen on your roster because the narrative around the dynasty community is that he was a letdown and he didn't produce in 2019. But now with the David Montgomery injury and, and the expectation that the bears uh, and that coaching staff specifically, they're, the, their back is against the wall. Matt Nagy needs to produce in 2020 or, or he's, he's probably looking for another job. So he's going to pull out all the stops. I don't know if trusting Matt Nagy to do that is the right decision necessarily, but Tariq Cohen is one of the biggest playmakers on that offense. I tend to think that he's going to get his opportunities. You mentioned there, Ryan. He got the opportunities. They just turn, didn't turn into those big plays. Perhaps in 2020, those kind of things will go his way. I was just going to say real quick that his his yards per target uh, dropped significantly from from 2018 to 2019, 8, 8.0 yards per target on average and on uh, 2018, and then just down to 4.4, so almost cut in half. Uh, so you have to think that may be a big big reason for that, and you know maybe Foles can can bring that back up for us. Let's uh, transition quickly to the Detroit Lions. I got the Lions, and when I think about Detroit and that offense and Matt Patricia and everything else happening there with the Lions, I, I immediately think about that running game and how we've been disappointed year in and year out. So the question for me is, can the Detroit running back running game actually be an asset to dynasty owners? Um, we, we really don't have a problem with Matthew Stafford and Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones and even TJ Hawkinson, who we expect to take a step forward and has all that potential, but we haven't been able to trust a running back in a long time. In fact, in the Matthew Stafford era, no team has rushed for less yards than the Detroit Lions. Detroit hasn't had a top 15 running game in the NFL since Barry Sanders, so now we have DeAndre Swift. Of course, Carrion Johnson's still there, the holdover. Swift's banged up, and, and it appears like Carrion Johnson's going to be the starter. Maybe it's the same old, same old for Detroit. I'm skeptical that, that we're going to get anything as dynasty owners or fantasy owners in general out of this Detroit running game in 2020, despite having... Uh, having Swift there, Carrion Johnson still has a little bit of upside. He's still young. We all believe in Swift. He's the running back 15, uh, 25 overall in the most recent DLF ADP. And we, we, we kind of buried Johnson. He's the running back 44 and 126 overall. Um, like I said, we love Swift, but Detroit has been the Bermuda Triangle when it comes to running backs for dynasty owners. Guys, is there something to mine here, or are we waiting for 2021? It's just so sad. <laughs> we uh, we said the uh, we said the the Chargers and the Eagles were yeah uh, they fit in right you know <laughs> right it, it's it's the same thing with the running game in Detroit they just they just it's just not it's just not going to happen right I mean and, and they've invested serious draft picks in in running backs before you talked about some of the names there obviously carry on johnson uh the most recent before before swift but i mean javid best was i mean he was one of the hottest names in in dynasty leagues a few years ago and and injuries ended his career so um we've we've been down this road before uh, I, i'm still kind of giving deandre swift the benefit of the doubt and uh, I think there might be a little bit of a buy low window already because he is injured and uh, some concern he might not even be ready to start the season. Yeah, he's he's going to have to prove it that that he can break the the, the curse of Barry Sanders. You guys know it's just going to be Bo Scarborough again, right? Oh my goodness! <laughs> we need to he's going to be the last man standing again. He's going to be the last man. Watch, just watch. I wouldn't be shocked because that, that <laughs> just seems to be the way things go for Lions fans, for sure. Uh, Matt, you had the Vikings, and you have a really interesting question when it comes to the, a wide receiver from Minnesota. Yeah, you know, this we, we know the wide receiver crew there is is is, is 
pretty thin from a depth chart standpoint. They drafted the rookie, Juster Jefferson. There's been conflicting reports. Some reports have said that he's been running with the twos. You know, Ola B.C. Johnson is, is gonna, may start ahead of him. I, I have to think that, that if it does if that does come to fruition in week one, it won't happen for very long. You would think he would they, they would put him in the slot there and let him do his thing. Uh, but that even with Justin Jefferson starting, it, it seems to me like Adam Thielen is just going to, you know, he has a chance to get 200 targets this year. And that's, that seems like, uh, you know, uh, like, uh, like I'm exaggerating, but I, I think it's going to be kind of a funnel offense for him. And how, do, how does he deal with not playing in the slot if they do put Justin Jefferson th- there? But if he does get all of those targets and finishes as a, as a top, wide re- top five-ish wide receiver, which I think is almost a lock if he does see, you know, that ridiculous tar- target volume, maybe not 200, but 160, 170, that doesn't seem out of the question at all for that offense, even even despite the fact that they, they really just want to run the ball, right? That's, that's the Gary Kubiak offense there. Uh, but he's 30 years old. And let's say he has a, I mean, let's even say he has the wide receiver one overall season. Like he's that efficient. He gets that many targets. He's already 30 years old. Do we, I mean, we've already kind of put him out to pasture, maybe not quite that extreme uh, from a dynasty standpoint. Uh, currently the wide receiver uh, 25. So, you know, at the, at uh, way down there at, at, at the, not even a wider suit receiver two anymore currently. So, but what if he has this massive season, are we going to continue to drop him? I mean, that's what we do with wide receivers when they get to be that old Julio is still hanging around just barely up there at wide receiver 12 as a, as a wide receiver one. And obviously he's not Julio Jones, uh, but he could have a massive season like that. So I'm just really interested to see what happens with him. It seems like a really good time to sell Thielen based on the hype he's getting this season. But if you're a contender, I don't know how you let go of a guy that's going to get that kind of volume. And if that's the case, either you're just going to stomach the vol- the, the value drop in 2021 uh, or uh, or you're going to miss out on his, his potentially league-winning season in 2019. So he's a really interesting case this season, I think. McDowell, Thielen catches 100 passes – and 10 touchdowns it happens in 2020 his adp is yeah. going down in dynasty right he's not gaining value <laughs> yeah right. no right. chance i know he's not gaining it yeah. <laughs> it's an easy one but but i think your, your point is well made there matt that there is some value here and there's the potential especially if you're a contender to cash in on this right now because other dynasty owners are valuing him as a high-end wide receiver three and you could potentially get mid wide receiver one type production out of Adam Thielen in 2020 and maybe 2021 too perhaps yeah for sure yeah his his value's just fallen off so so quickly uh I mean one year ago August of last year his ADP is 30 uh and then fast forward to February kind of the first month that we we bring rookies into the uh, into the new rookies into the ADP, he he goes from thirty to sixty over those uh, uh, basically six or seven months, um, and, and it kept dropping. He hit a low point this off season of seventy, now back up to fifty five, um, and even with a huge season, top five wide receiver and leads the league in targets, I don't think we're going to see him higher than than that fifty five number. We're talking about uh, talking about the fifth round there. There's just no way. That's that's his ceiling, value-wise. That's his dynasty ceiling, but his production ceiling is top 20 overall and, and a guy that could carry a team if you need him right now for, for your championship run. Uh, how about the Green Bay Packers? Ryan, you get the Packers because you're the biggest fan on the show, right? <laughs> I, I can't believe this is how this shook out and (laughs) you know you look at this team and and you guys know this as well as anybody there's it feels like there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of conversations that have been had Um, maybe it's Jay Sternberger and and a lot of people are expecting a a breakout year from him Aaron Rodgers has supported four tight end ones four top 12 tight ends in his career so even if we get that breakout uh, Jay Sternberger season I'm not sure it's going to matter all that much. I, I definitely don't think he's going to be a tight end one, um, you know, anytime soon. Same thing with the wide receiver two. We spent all last offseason trying to figure out who would be the wide receiver two to Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers' average wide receiver two finishes 29 as, as the wide receiver 29 uh, over his career. And, and that includes a couple of players with top five wide receiver seasons when they had, 
uh, who guys, um, Adams and I don't even know who, who did they have? They had a couple studs at the same Jennings, time. Gary Jen- Greg Jennings. Jennings. There you go. Yeah. So Jennings. And, uh, of course they had kind of the, the, the factory and the depth of Jordy wide Nelson. receiver there for a while. Jordy, Jordy Nelson. Nelson. That's who it was. <laughs> he was the one though. He was the one. <laughs> um, so I think my, my attention is drawn to the running game. Um, and it's, it's, AJ Dillon and it's Aaron Jones. And and I'm wondering how much Dillon is going to impact Aaron Jones this year, especially in what is basically a contract year for Aaron Jones. And and we're not sure if he's even going to be back on this team a year from now. Uh, I mean, Jones, Jones performed at such a high level. He had all the red zone carries. He uh, led the league in touchdowns. And I think we all expect those numbers to drop and, and Dylan's going to be a big part of that. Um, I, I don't know. I, I would love to hear from you guys about your expectations, especially for, for AJ Dillon. Oh, Dylan's going to hurt Aaron Jones, but as an Aaron Jones owner, I'm just waiting for that, that big start to the season. Jones gets the carries to start because after all, Dylan's a rookie and he didn't have that off season and all those things. And hopefully Jones can get off to that, that big start that we all hope he gets off to and there's a the potential to sell because Matt you can chime in on this I don't think there's a there's a snowball's chance and you know where that Aaron Jones is with the Green Bay Packers in 2021 and that could spell disaster for his dynasty value I am a little bit more optimistic on Jones than you guys, I guess. I think I think AJ Dillon is certainly going to hurt him at, at the goal line. I mean, how could you not hand it to that that massive human being at the goal line, right? But Aaron Jones was very good there as well. But I think between the twenties, it's going to be Aaron Jones. So I think the volume in terms of the rushes that he gets is going to be similar. I think we still see two hundred plus rushes, two hundred thirty six last season, uh, and uh, forty nine catches on sixty eight targets. And and honestly, they stopped using him as a receiver. Uh, 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 after Devontae Adams came back. So I think he still has some ways and paths to value there. I, I agree. I don't think they're, I, I, I don't think they're probably going to bring him back now that they drafted Dylan. Uh, if, if he shows out anything this season, uh, but you know, maybe they give him a hometown discount. Probably not. Uh, someone said on Twitter today that watch what happens in 2021 as Aaron Rodgers and, and goes to the bears and brings Aaron Jones with him. <laughs> that would be, be a nightmare for myself, Dan. I don't know about you, but uh, in terms of in terms of this season, I think, Jones is going to be fine. He's obviously not going to have 19 touchdowns again, but I don't think, you know, 10 touchdowns is necessarily out of the question. As a as a dynasty owner, we're all minutes away from cashing in on Aaron Jones while we can. I really feel that way and I've been a big Aaron Jones fan. I think I think he's dynamic and exciting, but that free agent class a year from now is scary. And nobody's giving Aaron Jones all the money and making him the the featured guy when there's those other guys on the market. Uh, before we get move on with the rest of the teams from the NFC, we should talk about our friends over at DynastyOwner.com. Hey, have you been looking for a new challenge? Well, it's time to start playing over at DynastyOwner.com. Uh, this season, Dynasty Owner Fantasy Football unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office. Dynasty Owner is the only way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries. Adding the strategy of running an NFL franchise, uh, Dynasty Owner provides a unique challenge for diehard fantasy football fanatics. Go to DynastyOwner.com slash DLF. Leagues are forming right now. That's DynastyOwner.com slash DLF. We've all been in a league where the winner just got lucky, and if you're better than most, Dynasty Owner gives you the platform to prove it. Dynasty Owner favors skilled players who can manage their roster using those real NFL salaries within a salary cap. It adds an entirely new level of strategy to this game. Go to DynastyOwner.com slash DLF. Validate your fantasy football skills. That's DynastyOwner.com slash DLF. Let's talk about the Falcons, guys. And you know if I put a, put together the agenda, put together everything that we're going to do tonight, I'm talking about the Falcons. And if I'm talking about the Falcons, there's only one guy on my mind, and it's Calvin Ridley. And the question for me with Ridley is if he can take over as the wide receiver one in Atlanta. And I know there's probably a couple of ways that you could think about this, 
Ridley outperforming Julio in 2020, that's that that's maybe a stretch. Uh, he could do it. It's probably going to take a big touchdown season for Ridley and, and another disappointment in that category for Julio. In two seasons, Ridley has outscored Julio 17-14 to 14 in touchdowns. Julio has dominated targets, 161 on average per year over the last six years, and Ridley just 93 per year. Julio is 31. Ridley's entering his prime at 25. Uh, if the targets even slightly uh, favor, go back in the way of Calvin Ridley, and the touchdown differential stays the same, Ridley... Maybe Ridley could outscore him. I'm not saying it's going to happen, guys. But I think the other way to look at this potentially is when does Kelvin Ridley overtake Julio in ADP and dynasty value? And I think that's happening before 2021 kicks off, no matter what. I expect a big season, that breakout season that all of them are talking about over in the redraft community. It's happening this year for Kelvin Ridley. The Falcons are going to be a really good offense, and it's going to support two big, big-time wide receivers. Ridley's going off, and he's going to be—he's going to be a top, top fifteen for sure, probably top ten wide receiver in dynasty ADP in a year, Ryan. Yeah, I totally agree. I think Ridley will will continue to see Ridley trending up, uh, Julio trending down. Both of those, as far as value, also agree with what you said. I, I don't think. Ridley outscores Julio this year, but uh, this this might be the last year that that's the case. I was just going to say no, move on, because Julio, <laughs> if there's one thing I can set my watch by, it's Julio getting 1,400 yards, and it's going to take, like you said, it's going to take, I think, a huge touchdown differential for it to, to be anything else this season. And, and no matter what happens, they're not going to give, you know, def- defensive, uh, defensive teams are not going to give uh, the number one cornerback attention to Calvin Ridley over Julio Jones. I don't think that happens. Yeah. Maybe even next year, to be honest with you. But in terms of Matt, value, absolutely. Matt, on September 1st of 2021, which wide receiver has a higher ADP? Oh, I already said Calvin Ridley's going to have a higher ADP. Absolutely. We just saw what oh, okay. we do to – we're ages in Dynasty. We're ages. We just right. – we're going to throw Adam Thielen under the bus after he has 1,600 yards and 12 touchdowns. We're going to throw Julio <laughs> under the bus after he has 1,400 yards and four touchdowns because that's what Julio does, right? Uh, yeah, think about right. that. That's, think about that, like, number. undefeated championship season you could have with those two guys, right, Matt? That's what you're thinking about, right? And, and redraft? Absolutely. Give me, give me Thielen <laughs> and Julio. Can't do it in redraft. In Dynasty, it's pretty cheap, though. Yeah. Uh, Matt, how about the Carolina Panthers? Let's talk about them. Yeah, I want to talk about Teddy Bridgewater. I feel like we are, we are, and maybe the NFL as well, are, is undervaluing him a little bit. Uh, he's quarterback 27 currently, uh, which seems low to me. Honestly, he's going to be in a Joe Brady quarterback-friendly offense. We saw what he did with Joe Burrow at LSU. I know this is a different animal in the NFL, but I believe in that that that, that system. We're going to find out real quick if it's Brady or Burrow. Maybe it's both. Uh, he has upgraded weapons, I would argue, from his even his time in New Orleans. Obviously, at the top, they have Michael Thomas. There's nobody better than that. But you go down the depth chart, and I think it's better in – uh, in, in Carolina than it was in New Orleans. And it, it's going to have a potentially very bad defense. They spent every single draft pick on the defense. It's basically going to be a completely new defense. So the combination of the offensive, uh, from the QB friendly offense, the upgraded weapons, McCaffrey there is going to catch 100 passes, obviously. Uh, I don't know. I think maybe we're seven. Seven, seven to ten spots too low on, on him currently. Maybe he should be valued more up in, in that mid to late teens range in terms of a dynasty quarterback. So I'm excited to see what Teddy Bridgewater does. It's going to be really interesting to see if they, he put, they put pressure on the Carolina Panthers if they finish with, say, a top five pick and they need to draft that, uh, that, that next quarterback, whether it's Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or Trey Lance or whoever. Uh, I would really like to see Teddy put the pressure on the team uh, and have to make, it, make that kind of decision. So I, I don't think it would prevent them from making, taking one of those top quarterbacks in the draft next year if the team ends up being that bad but uh, I think Teddy's going to have a nice season fantasy owners are more interested probably if Teddy's going to push the ball down the field because that's where the value is he's a very accurate passer and and I, I assume that their offensive philosophy will be to check down and run those crossers to all those receivers including McCaffrey if he starts pushing the ball down the field and getting those chunk plays you may be right maybe Teddy is undervalued 
Uh, how about the New Orleans Saints, Ryan? Who are you thinking about on that roster? I think right now it can only be one player. It's it's Alvin Kamara, and uh, I, I just hope he remains on the Saints because, uh, of course, word today is that uh, that the Saints are willing to trade him. You know, they're he's looking for this new deal. Joe Mixon got his contract. Christian McCaffrey got his contract earlier this offseason. And now it seems like Kamara wants McCaffrey money and not Mixon money. And that's that could be an issue. We've seen the Saints uh, handle this only one way in the past. They they traded Jimmy Graham. They traded Brandon Cooks. They traded Kenny Stills, although, of course, he's, he's not quite on the, the level these other guys were talking about. But uh, once it, it seems like once somebody starts complaining, causing any kind of stir... Uh, they're gone, and as a, as a big fan of Alvin Kamara, as as someone who has Kamara on a lot of rosters, I'm worried right now because the Saints are uh, the the number one team. You want a player like that to play for, and they have they're 27th in cap space, only seven million. I know we, they always pull some kind of wizardry. They've done it a million times with Drew Brees' contract. We don't have the money to resign him, and somehow they find a way. Uh, they paid t- uh, uh, Taysom Hill instead of <laughs> instead of Alvin Kamara. Somehow that was a good idea. So there's not a lot of money to go around. Maybe they'll figure it out. But I'm I'm a little bit worried too, Ryan. Yeah, count it three of us, all three, clean sweep. We're all worried. Uh, hopefully it's cleared up before you listen to this podcast. Uh, let's talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, guys. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that have happened in Tampa Bay over the last handful of months, but I don't think you can you can think about the Buccaneers and not think about Tom Brady and how he's going to mix in with this offense and and how this offense is going to look. The question for me is if Brady is going to support two elite wide receivers. And the reason that I'm thinking about that is, you know, there's so many questions. Will Brady push the ball down the field? Like we saw with Jameis Winston, will he involve running backs like Brady has in all of his years in New England, will Gronk and OJ Howard and Cameron Brate eat into Evans and Godwin's those targets that they they got a year ago and they're expected to get now in 2020 as well? So if you subscribe to the theory that Tampa Bay is going to be good, like most do this season and playing with a lead this year, how do Evans and Godwin combine for 153 catches for nearly? 2,500 yards and 17 touchdowns. It's a valid concern. Tom Brady is 43. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I don't know if they reach those numbers without Jameis pushing it down the field and playing from behind like they were last year. Yeah, it's definitely a valid concern. And I mean, the reality is, you know, we can talk about Tom Brady's age or his, um, you know, his arm strength or whatever, Almost any quarterback in the league was going to be a downgrade from what we saw from Winston, both uh, both his arm and and just his uh, his general play style that that benefited his wide receivers. Uh, I mean, you look at Brady's history. Of course, he's had um, he's had Julian Edelman the past few years. He had uh, Randy Moss and and other wide receivers earlier in his career. Uh, his best wide receiver two over the past decade was the wide receiver 17, which, which is pretty good, but that's, that's the best by a long shot. You look uh, recent years, wide receiver 67. That was his wide receiver two last year. Hmm. Wide receiver 44, wide receiver 42, wide receiver 50, 43. So he hasn't, he hasn't even had a top 40 second wide receiver uh, in, in over half a decade. And obviously that has to do with talent on the, on the Patriots and the scheme, uh, the, the general offense that they're running. He hasn't had Godwin and Evans type together uh, ever, I don't think. But uh, going, back to, going back to your question, I don't think he can support them both. I think they both see, take a hit in fantasy scoring. I want to know from each of you guys, who has the bigger 2020, Godwin or Evans, Ryan? Evans, mm. I, I'm I'm sticking with Evans. I know. Oh, it's it's. Godwin I, I know for sure. I know everyone says Godwin. I know everyone says Godwin, but he's not going to be. If they're running twelve personnel, he's not going to be living in the slot like he was last season. 
Uh, I mean, I think he can play outside just fine, but I think Evan is still the better outside receiver. And if that's where he's going to play, I'm, I'm still voting for Evans. It's six, six straight thousand yard seasons. I'm not betting against that. Yo, he'll get to a thousand. He'll be right at about a thousand ten, thousand twenty, right in there. He, he'll be solid wide receiver <laughs> three for all of us in the dynasty community. Uh, how about the Arizona Cardinals, Matt? Tell me about another elite wide receiver over there. Yeah, uh, is it time to trade, or maybe it's too late to trade, as I found out, I think, this week. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, 28 years old, uh, going to be 29. He's approaching that cliff. I know I know how you feel about him. I'm sure the answer for you is no, Dan. Just ride him into the sunset, and that's probably the right answer. I've been trying for the last two weeks and uh, across several leagues to try to try to move him for a combination of somebody in, in, the, in like, the – Galladay, DK Metcalf, uh, Calvin Ridley, CD Lamb, even Terry McLaurin in that tier, and get a little something on top back with that player for for Hopkins. And it's I, I must have set out two dozen trades and not a single bite back. Not even anyone really even interested in acquiring him. So I worry that it's it's past time, and we're just going to have to ride him in the sunset. Hopefully, he has a good season. I do. I am a little bit afraid that he's not going to see receive nearly the target volume that he received in in Houston, uh, and obviously a new team new connection with a quarterback so uh he he is one of those outlier elite players though uh and can certainly you know have a good season on on his first season with a new team but i think in terms of selling him for any kind of elite asset in return or even you know just a couple of tiers below uh with something back is already is that 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 ship has sailed so i think it's time to if you have deandre hawkins it's probably time to just resign yourself you're gonna the 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 production he's gonna provide for you for the next two to three years is probably going to be more valuable than anything thing you can get back it's hard to get a good return for sure i was actually able to trade him in the last month in two leagues and maybe to your surprise matt i am on team time to trade deandre as you know it's a hard pill to swallow because he's such a dynamic playmaker and he's so much fun to watch he's one of my favorite non-green bay packers in the nfl top two for sure so much fun uh to watch him make those catches and, and tap those toes and all those things all those things you mentioned are valid concerns though he's moving to a new team and despite having an elite quarterback or a player that we expect to be an elite quarterback there is a transition to be made there i was able to do a little bit better than the, maybe those offers that you were talking about uh I, I got a robert woods plus a draft pick on one side i got calvin ridley plus a late draft pick in another that I decided to to take in another league so um perhaps I'm just lucky perhaps I play in leagues with with owners that are big DeAndre Hopkins fans even bigger than me but it's possible and I think that's a really good question to ask is it time or maybe even past time because if you think it might be past time you should at least be shopping DeAndre Hopkins I think the the reality with all these guys uh is that it's better to sell in season. I mean, that that goes back to the Thielen and, and Julio Jones conversations we were having earlier. Uh, it's going to be much easier to make the kind of trade you want to uh, when these guys are actually on the field and, and putting up points. So that that would be the first thing. And, you know, like we just decide these players are, are sells at some point, whether it's due to age or uh, a drop-off in production Uh, In this case, it's partially due to Hopkins changing teams. And it's like the entire community gets on board with that almost. And which is fine, except then, like Matt said, it's, it's hard to find buyers and the price suddenly drops just because you think you should sell a player doesn't mean he should be cheap or that you should sell at a discount. Um, But when, when there's podcast and and Twitter talk and articles saying oh, it's time to sell Hopkins, people people suddenly think the price should be uh, discounted as well. Yeah, it's it's not. I, I think I can speak for all three of us that if if you get a discount on Hopkins, we're we're all buyers for sure. We yeah. want that wide receiver one in our starting lineup. Uh, let's talk about the Los Angeles Rams, Ryan. You want to talk about a up and coming running back? Yeah, just wondering how this backfield's going to shake out. Um, we've got Cam Akers, of course, is I would say the favorite to to take over that backfield uh, following Todd Gurley's departure. But a, a couple guys left over from last year, Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson. 
you know, this time last year we were uh, we were all over Daryl Henderson, and and he was one of the biggest disappointments, uh, not just from a dynasty standpoint, but uh, even in redraft leagues, he was he was getting a lot of hype. People were chasing him. Uh, he was he was a single digit pick, single digit round pick, even in seasonal leagues last year, and, and basically did nothing. The, the way I'm looking at it is the the pick of Acres told me all I needed to know about what they think about Daryl Henderson. So I, I think ultimately this is Acres' backfield to run with. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. The one concern for me, and hopefully they decide to just do what Acres is good at, was this is a was a primarily an outside zone running uh, scheme. It's kind of where Sean McVay got his genius label from, uh, and all of the things they were able to do off of that that particular scheme. And you know, Tor and, and Cam Akers in college, he just ran a gap scheme. So uh, hopefully they he he, he can uh, he, he can either learn that, which I, I find a little bit difficult in, in this shortened off season. That was one of Daryl uh, Henderson's problems last year as well. Uh, in, in college, he was primarily a, a zone runner and they ran mostly gap schemes. So uh, if they can fix that or they play to Cam Akers strength, I see him as taking over this backfield pretty easily. Some people are still afraid of Malcolm Brown. I'm not afraid of Malcolm Brown. Guys, I had the San Francisco 49ers, the, uh, I guess, Super Bowl runner-up San Francisco 49ers. And, and the the player that pops to mind when you think about the 49ers, I think for all dynasty owners, is probably George Kittle. And I'm wondering, outside of him, who in San Francisco should dynasty owners be investing in? Uh, Kittle, of course, the tight end one, according to DLF ADP, 21st overall. But after him, Debo Samuel, 59 overall, wide receiver 31. He's returning from that foot injury. Brandon Ayuk, the rookie wide receiver, number 81 overall in ADP, wide receiver 41. He's got a hamstring of his own. Then Raheem Mostert at 83, Tevin Coleman at 137, Jalen Hurd at 179, another guy that's on IR, Jimmy Garoppolo at 187, quarterback 21, and then Jarek McKinnon at 195, running back 64. He hasn't played since 2017. So at Running back, we have a timeshare. Wide receivers are all banged up. Quarterback, our ADP would at least suggest that he's replacement level. There's nobody really outside of George Kittle to go all in for. And we're talking about a a Super Bowl participant, the NFC champions, uh, a, another team with a genius head coach, an offensive mind. And really all we have is Kittle, right? Uh, he feels like the only sure thing. Uh, I mean, you outlined basically the, the entire rest of the offense there. And I think there's definitely hope uh, for Debo Samuel and for Brandon Ayuk, but uh, even their short-term value is, has taken a little bit of a hit this off season. Uh, Ayuk would be the one I would be chasing uh, just because I think, I, I don't think his value trade value, draft value either in startups or rookie drafts ever really reached or so far in, in these past few months has reached the peak that it should have due to his draft capital, due to the opportunity he's going to have. So he would be the one uh, from San Francisco. I would be trying to acquire right now, especially again, I don't, I don't think there's much of an injury discount just with a, a minor uh, issue that he's been dealing with. But if there's, if there's any kind of any, any window to acquire him uh, for cheap, I would be doing that. Ayuk is a late seventh round pick. I completely agree on that. Debo Samuel as well, still hovering there at the bottom of the fifth round at at fifty nine uh, overall, wide receiver thirty one. I I hope there's a window to buy Debo. Uh, those those are really the only guys. Matt, Dante Pettis season. Dante Pettis season. Come on, you guys. Who? Dante who? Pettis. You know who. <laughs> Matt, how about the Seattle Seahawks? They're the last team we got to talk about here. Yeah, I want to talk about Chris Carson because I feel like he's being undervalued, and he's certainly been been undervalued for me. For me, is probably getting burned by by Thomas Rawls and another low guy with no draft capital, basically. And Chris Carson, I just never took the took the plunge with him. But currently, going at running back twenty nine, seventy uh, fifth overall, you know, early early seventh round behind guys like Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson. Uh, you know, James Conner, I guess he probably belongs above Chris Carson. But you know, some of these guys, it seems like he could probably be more in like the early 
early 20s instead of the late 20s at the running back position. We make a lot of, of, of stink about him being uh, injured all the time, but in reality, the last two seasons, you know, he missed one game last season and two games in 2018, and then his rookie year, of course, he would, he uh, he missed a lot of games. Uh, but the last two seasons, relatively healthy. I don't think one or two missed games for at the running back position is really that much to stomach. Uh, over 1,200 yards last last year, 1,150 the year before, uh, and it seems like he's the only game in town yet again, yet here we are pushing a, a running back as much as we're starved for running backs in fantasy football all the way down to the seventh round you can get a 11 1200 yard back so feels to me like we're we're, we're doing Carson a little bit of, dis, of a disservice uh, in terms of his dynasty value yeah for sure he's just he just drew that label as as kind of a boring player uh, for whatever reason and and that has stuck with him he, he, he's another one whose value has never matched his production and uh, I mean, maybe that's because he was a late round pick or, or whatever the case may be, but absolutely forever undervalued. Undervalued for sure. And a guy that that I think most of us as dynasty owners, when we're when we're assessing our roster and we see his name, maybe we're not excited. But when week one comes around and you can put him in your starting lineup, he's a guy that you're clicking with. uh with a little bit of oomph and, and you have a little bit of confidence in him to get those carries and to make an impact for your dynasty team once the season start it starts. And guys, that's only really a few days away. By the time some of the, our listeners might might start this podcast, uh, we might be only a few days away. Uh, before that kickoff, though, next week, fellas, we got our big predictions episode. We're going to talk... Dynasty MVPs and Rookie of the Years and and all that fun stuff. Ryan, I know you you really rock that episode every single <laughs> year. It's definitely my best. One for, sure. <laughs> for Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Zig boy, oh, zig boy, oh, zig boy. <laughs>